Hey everyone, I'm Rachel. And I'm Sarah. And we're sisters who just so happen to be best friends. We're here to unpack all of the unexpected moments that come with early adulthood and hope to uncover a more meaningful life, one conversation and cup of coffee at a time. This This is Mocha's in the Meantime. Hi everybody, welcome back to Mocha's in the Meantime. It's Rachel. And Sarah. And today, um, we're really excited to welcome all of you back or to our episode seven of the podcast. Um, Tonight's a little funky in Mocha's in the meantime, because instead of our usual caffeine or coffee or tea, we're drinking on some raspberry vino or wine. Yum. Um, This is a really cool wine because it's from a local vineyard in Minnesota in the chisago lakes area um it's called wine haven if you're from the state and me and sarah a few weeks back moved all of my stuff out of minneapolis from college and took a little um detour and went to kind of small town minnesota areas and found this vineyard kind of off the side of the road and decided to just check it out and we found this really delicious sweet raspberry local wine so yeah it's really good and we also got to check out a sculpture garden that day in the similar area which was a life-changing experience too because we saw these sculptures (laughs) in the midst of this like huge grassy field basically like Mm -hmm. you would walk around this field on a trail and come across random sculptures kind of tucked away and it was just an interesting experience we recommend it's called franconia yeah it's sculpture franconia Garden. F- sculpture park and mm-hmm. it's f- open every day all day and free and it's totally free and it was just a very cool artistic experience to be there and yeah um the art is very eclectic and funky it kind of got us thinking i think about the meaning of life <laughs> honestly it sounds Not dramatic stupid, but, but like <laughs> there were portions of this um sculpture park that were totally hidden in this foresty area that we mm. almost missed and there were all of these kind of run down like huts and sculptures that looked like a literal apocalypse scene from a movie and there were there was one part of the garden that had street signs with different statements on them making a story and i Mm -hmm. can't remember exactly off the top of my head what they said but it was kind of eerie very eerie yeah there were just mirrors in the middle of the field yeah um, these huge blue tarps just like waving in the breeze as one of the sculptures and yeah there's just a lot of crazy stuff so if you're in minnesota or wisconsin because it's actually pretty close to the wisconsin border check it out but anywho tangent aside we love minnesota minnesotan we wine. love minnesota we really do like i'm passionate about that state Ugh. um up but, north, it's really beautiful. Yeah. Minneapolis is Ugh. really fun. Anyway, just love Minnesota, 10 out of 10. <laughs> but nonetheless, we're really pumped to introduce our episode topic, which is going to be all about personalities and personality tests specifically. Um, I'm kind of a psych nerd and Sarah's really into like personal growth (laughs) and development. Um, So both of us really enjoy kind of learning about personality tests and sort of seeing if they fit us or if we think they're valid or not. Um, And the two that we really love are Myers-Briggs and Enneagram. And we're going to really focus in on those two types and talk about 
what we like about them and just give you more insight about maybe what they can provide you, especially in young adulthood. Because I think we're all on this quest, I think in our whole lives, but especially in kind of young adulthood, um, late teen years to really find ourselves and kind of understand ourselves better. And I think these could be really great tools to assist you with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And help you learn just a little bit more about who you are, where you might fit in a workplace. And um, yeah, I think just provide some clarity Mm -hmm. about behaviors you have. But we'll get into all that as we go on. Um, We wanted to start with just a playful shout out I guess to Harry Potter um in the Harry Potter mm-hmm. houses because in its own way it's kind of like a personality test the sorting hat tells you where you go based on your some personality traits yeah and I take a lot of validity in that test honestly you're a big <laughs> Harry Potter fan um, we're both Hufflepuffs um, yeah which I think does fit us mm-hmm. um well you have more of a breakdown right in terms of oh. percentages <laughs> I guess I'm mostly Hufflepuff, but I've also gotten Ravenclaw a few times. And I do Mm. have, like, the curiosity for wisdom, that side of a Ravenclaw, like, very curious and wanting to learn a lot. Mm. Um, But I think at heart, I'm more of a Hufflepuff. And for Um, those of you who don't know Harry Potter, the Hufflepuffs are kind of the more fun, maybe, like, down-to-earth types. Kind-hearted. Loyal, very loyal. Loyal friends, things like that. Whereas most of the main characters are in Gryffindor, which is the courageous Mm -hmm. house. I think Hufflepuff fits us. I feel like we're both kind of goofy and like fun, but also like Like we're very loyal and we have like good intentions. Big Hufflepuff gals here. um, But we thought that was a fun little you know, intro into this topic. (laughs) Yeah, we thought it'd be fun to just bring that up. And as a segue, I guess, to some of the more scientifically backed personality tests. Um, But there is a whole bunch of them out there. I mean, even the Harry Potter houses could be one. Um, Love languages is another one that I think is pretty Mm. commonly referenced. But like Rach said, we want to focus in on Myers-Briggs and Enneagram just because those are the two that resonate with us the most and that we've had a bit more time to explore over the years. Um, Rach is a big Myers-Briggs Briggs person and I'd say I'm more into the Enneagram Um, but we wanted to start by just breaking down what the Myers-Briggs is and um, Rach can take that away. So the Myers-Briggs test is a um, psychological based personality test from Isabel Myers and Catherine Briggs um, and they were mother and daughter actually which was cool. In general there is some psychological backing behind it Um, And I wanted to just kind of run through what it really means. So basically, when you get a Myers-Briggs result, you get a unique four-letter kind of um, acronym, which kind of encompasses what your personality is according to this test. So there are four letters that you get, um, and I'll just kind of run through what each letter means. So the first letter that you get is kind of how you get your energy from the world. So it's either an extrovert or an E or an introvert, an I, and that's kind of how you recharge in the world. Um, The next one is either a S or an N, and that is kind of how you are able to learn and kind of um, create ideas. So somebody that is an S or a sensing type of person is a lot more Um, small detail oriented whereas a n or someone with intuition is much more big picture when making decisions and kind of brainstorming 
The third letter is your kind of how you are making decisions and like what dictates your decision making. So a T is somebody that is a thinker, which is using your head to make decisions, while a F is more of a feeler and they use more of their heart and emotional reaction to make decisions. And the fourth letter is the J or the P, which is kind of how you organize your life and kind of make sense of your future. So a J is, or a judger is somebody that um, is very much a planner of their future and is very organized and on top of their life and very, you know, organized. While a P or perceiver is somebody that is a lot more spontaneous, open-minded to their future, not as much a planner. Um, so that's kind of the four types of letters in a nutshell. I kind of went over that quickly, but I definitely encourage you to do your own research to get more than just like the very quick Sparknotes version. Overall, um, my type of personality in Myers-Briggs is an INFP. And this is something that I've really resonated with over the past few years. I think I found this in high school. Literally every single time I've taken this test, I've been an INFP. Um, and I have taken it both um, for my job and for a career class. And both of those used like the official test that you have to pay for and while doing ones that were free online I was still an INFP so it's very (laughs) legit for me but in general what an INFP is specifically um, is someone who's kind of like a big picture type um, very creative um, very creative thinker um, very much a daydreamer can kind of get lost in their thoughts and kind of in dreams and in general, are very curious, non-judgmental, open-minded types. Um, they can be pretty like idealistic about the world and um, things like that. Um, some of the weaknesses I would say about an INFP that I definitely resonate with is sometimes we're kind of easily manipulated because we're very idealistic and try to be very open to other people. And in general, because like we're very empathetic in nature, um, we sometimes get very overwhelmed with how much hurt there is in the world that Mm. the fact that we can't fix it all is very overwhelming, at least for me. And that's something I read about on um, a website that really resonated with me. We can kind of be a little bit reserved or hard to get to know because we are kind of more or at least I feel like I'm more guarded about like who I disclose all of these thoughts to, Mm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So a little bit harder to get to know. Um, And I think that comes with being a little bit insecure as a type and like a little bit afraid of judgment from others. But yeah, that's kind of an overview. There's so much more that I probably (laughs) did not fit. But what is your type, Sarah? I am apparently an ISFJ or the defender and I say apparently because I've gotten a couple of different results on my Myers-Briggs. That's why I feel like I identify more with the Enneagram but Mm -hmm. ISFJs um, while we do share two letters the I and the F um, I think that the big difference comes with um, the S and the N, at least for me, because I've seen that play out a little bit more. Like as an S, I'm a bit more detail oriented. Yeah. And I think compared to an N or someone like in your type who's more big picture, that's definitely something that I have seen like play out with us. So as an ISFJ, some of the main points that I've pulled from reading a little bit about it include like being a little more sensitive, um, maybe a little bit 
like fearful of being criticized or judged um kind of similar to your type um definitely like an open like friendly person who wants to get to know others even though I am a bit more introverted as the eye indicates just being like a supporter too um so I think that there is some truth to it because I do identify with some of the strengths and weaknesses of the type but um yeah I feel like you know a lot more about INFP than I know about my type (laughs) of ISFJ yeah Um, I've done a lot of like research about it but I really personally like the Myers-Briggs because it is kind of four different aspects of your personality like there's a lot to work with and there's a lot of different combinations so I think it's really nice because there's 16 types so I feel like there's a Mm. lot of leeway for figuring out your fit because it does go off of four different characteristics that can be very different from one another. I think I've always been a little bit critical of the Myers-Briggs just because I always thought that it was more black and white with each letter having, you know, only two Mm -hmm. options. But now that you mentioned there being 16, that is a bit more extensive than I guess I realized before compared to the Enneagram. And the interesting thing is, at least especially when you take the real test that you have to pay for, um, like it can kind of show you where on the scale you are. So between like an extrovert and introvert, somebody might be like, only a tiny bit more extroverted and get an E. Mm. Um, So it's kind of interesting. So I guess that's a critique in some ways that like if you're 1% more extroverted, you might have a whole different type. Oh, interesting. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I also have heard of people using the Myers-Briggs in the workplace, um, whereas with the Enneagram, as I'll talk a little bit about now, is more of kind of a I feel like it's more anecdotal and it's more something that's used in like religious environments or just Mm. More for like from a personal lens rather than a professional one. Mm, Um, I can see that. Yeah. And so for those of you who don't know about the Enneagram, that's the one I really like. Um, But it doesn't have quite as much psychological or like scientific backing to it. Um, However, um, I did find some articles actually when I was looking like some peer reviewed literature about it. So it is something that has been looked at. Um, Mm -hmm. But anyways, (laughs) um, the history of the Enneagram is a bit more unknown when compared to the Myers-Briggs. There's potential that it was used among religious people quite a while ago. um, And there's been lots of different people who have studied it since. So today, it's sometimes used in religion as a way to kind of connect with God and work on personal and self-growth. I know from talking to one of my good friends that it's used in her church group, for example. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Um, so it. I think a big focus of the Enneagram is about personal growth and kind of seeing where you are in terms of health and then therefore using that information and maybe some of your weaknesses to mm-hmm. learn about how you can improve yourself. So the basic construct of the Enneagram is that there's nine types. Um, mm-hmm. Each type is their own personality, but it's kind of fluid in a way because you also have a wing and a center. Um, To make this really brief, your center just indicates whether you're a thinker, a feeler, or more of an instinctive person. And then Mm -hmm. your wing is a personality that you tend to also gravitate towards um, in certain moments. So for example, I'm a type two. So you just call them types one through nine. I'm a type two and a wing would be either one or three. So the personalities that are on either side of you, one of those will be your wing. Like you kind of lean on that one with some traits, right? Yeah. It's kind of like a little bit of a tendency to gravitate towards that personality in addition to your own. And I I like that because I think it acknowledges that human beings are very complex and we have a lot of different behaviors that we might 
exhibit. So even though we do have one personality, you also have your center. So like your thinking, feeling, or instinctive. You also have a wing. So maybe you gravitate a little bit more into that other personality. Like I mentioned before, there's also these different levels of health. So in a healthy state, a two might be really different than a two in an unhealthy state. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could just depend on life stage or, you know, something you're going through. Finally, it's also based on your basic desires and fears. So each type has a specific fear and a specific desire that kind of drive why they behave in a certain way. So for example, for type two, for me, um, my basic desire is to be loved. And my basic fear is that I won't be loved. Mm. Um Or I think it's like your basic desire is to love and be loved. And then um, Mm. your basic fear is that you're not going to be loved. Um, Whereas like with Rachel's type, which is a type nine. Yeah. Your basic fear is related to conflict. And your basic desire is to have harmony, which I think does go with the INFP quite a bit. inner harmony. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's interesting how I think your types in the Enneagram kind of can relate a lot to Myers-Briggs. Because I think... You being a type two, which is like the helper, it's called, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're very motivated to please others and be helpful to others and support others. And I think that goes with ISFJ for sure. Yeah. And so in my opinion, when I've read about my type in Enneagram, it just seemed to resonate a little bit more. I think that it's interesting in my experience to think about my weaknesses according to the Enneagram because it opened my eyes to maybe why I react in some certain ways or why I behave in certain ways. And it also, I think, helped me acknowledge some of my weaknesses that maybe I was shutting away because as a type two, you want people to like you. Like that's a huge motivator. Mm -hmm. And so the thought of having flaws, I think, can be hard to accept or being criticized can be hard to accept because it's straying from that idea of being likable and people pleasing, um, which is something that I definitely have experienced. Um, And so that's been my journey with it. It's been really recent, honestly. One of my good friends, um, the same one who is in a religious group um, who talks about it, showed me it. And there's like a graphic that explains all of the different types. It's like this really cool circle with different lines in it. Um, It's cool. Yeah, I never really knew much about Enneagram until literally a few months ago. I think during COVID is when I looked into it and I've really enjoyed getting to know like the type nine because I actually got multiple results in multiple times. But after doing my own research, I really identified with type nine. I think that you're definitely a type nine. Oh, Um, yeah. I'm terrified of conflict. We are very similar people, I think. And so upon reading more about how type nines are often misinterpreted as type twos. That makes a lot of sense. Um, But then now that we've distinguished that we're different types and we can see the differences, I think that really does resonate more with you, a type nine, and I'm more of a type two. Especially like how I cope with things. (laughs) Because type nines, like if there is disruption of like inner harmony or like conflict are sometimes... our coping is to kind of just like disassociate from our issues and like Mm. pretend they're not happening to cope. Whereas I think then with me as a type two, it's more like you can't avoid the problem. It's more like it, it 
spills into things more and emotions can overtake you a little bit I think mm. I mean I don't even know if that's a type two thing but that's a me thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, some things are just us things <laughs> right and so I think actually that's a great segue into kind of like our overarching idea about how personalities could be useful yeah um, like pros and cons yeah I think just an overarching takeaway that I want to just put out there right now is I keep saying you know I'm a two and we do this and Rach has been saying we we yeah. but like we want to just clarify that everyone's an individual and like sometimes with these tests it can be easy to feel like you're everything that this type is is you and like somehow these psychologists or religious leaders or whoever came up with these ideas um just know me already and so I think it's important to recognize the power that you have in knowing who you are better than any test ever will yeah we're all very nuanced and complex right but um (laughs) But there are a lot of pros to these tests um, in light of that. The first one being, like we've kind of touched on, that it can help explain some of your behaviors, especially ones that you feel kind of, you know, unhappy with or confused about. In a lot of experiences that you have in young adulthood, maybe moving out for the first time or starting college or, you know, just being financially independent, for example, you're navigating a lot of newness. And so yeah. oftentimes I think behaviors like this do come up where you're kind of like why am I reacting this way Mm -hmm. or um how can I pursue this you know adventure or thing that I need to do in a way that's going to work for me and so I think that knowing your personality type and knowing maybe that you like my friend's a type six so she's really big on loyalty and feeling secure like maybe having that in mind as you move would be a really Mm -hmm. helpful thing to kind of just know about yourself instead of just pushing it aside I think that's something that could help Yeah, for sure. I think it's really interesting to kind of use personality tests to kind of analyze your past behaviors Hmm. and say like, oh, maybe this happened because, you know, this is a trait of being a type nine Hmm. or not saying you did it because you're a type nine, but like it aligns with the type nine behavior. Mm -hmm. Like I think in general, I'm like terrible at conflict. Like I really, really struggle to stand up to people like friends especially I think people close to me Mm. um but also like authority like just I don't know it's hard for me to be assertive and have a conflict with others and I think that comes from being a people pleaser in nature (laughs) Mm. but also like I've learned from type nine that that's like it's very stressful for type nines to not have like balance and inner harmony Mm. that like it makes sense why if like we're disruptive in that way that it's really hard for us to cope with it yeah and I've noticed that when I've had like altercations with people um my coping mechanism a lot of times is to downplay my own emotions Mm. and like push them aside which kind of goes with like dissociating and saying like oh like that's you're fine like that didn't bother you like kind of like acting as if your emotions aren't valid as a way of kind of diffusing the situation so you don't Mm. have to speak out and that's that's something that I didn't really think about until reading it and then saying oh my god that is me (laughs) that's what I've done yeah because sometimes I'm like why can't I understand like why can't I stand up for myself sometimes and then after reading that I'm like this is the patterns that I'm doing and now I have a better idea of how I can fix that 
Yeah, that's like super insightful. And I think another kind of more lighthearted example is in our podcast, like um, more on the Myers-Briggs end of this. I'm an S and Rachel is an N for that second letter. And an S is more of a detail-oriented person and and is more of a big picture person. And we've even seen this in just editing our audio. Rach is the big picture guru, if you will. (laughs) So she looks at the audio as a whole, kind of chops out things that we don't need, and um, just does like a rough edit. Whereas then I go in and do more detail-oriented cuts and making sure that all the audio sounds well, like, like the transitions right. being nice. Yeah, like it's more of just looking at it on a smaller scale, whereas Rach is looking at it on more of a macro scale. And so I think that was kind of fun for us to think about. And it just brought it up. Like just the Myers-Briggs brought that up, I think. Yeah, another um, side of the S versus N is I think in the way we plan our podcast because yeah. uh, I'm all over the place sometimes. Like I like to brainstorm like way future podcast episodes because I'm more like big picture. I'm like, let's do this kind of topic later and have this guest on and mm-hmm. what can we do to like further this podcast into like more than just a podcast. <laughs> and then Sarah's more like, focus on let's get this specific contact the details and the outlines of these episodes we're filming soon set and solid so i think we have a really good rapport in that way i think it's a solid partnership like and i think that's how i can visualize the buyers briggs being helpful in the workplace maybe even with like setting up teams of people and having a diverse group of Mm -hmm. types um that all complement each other well i think it's also a way to see the strengths that you possess um Because I think in general, a lot of us can be really down on ourselves. Um, And so sometimes it's kind of refreshing to hear all these positive things about yourself. And it can also help you with interacting with others in a way that allows them to feel, you know, positive and that you're viewing their strengths. So even in like a romantic sense, um, if you were able to kind of like the love languages, like we mentioned earlier. But if if you're able to kind of not only understand your partner's love language, but also how they see the world a little bit more, um, maybe how they gain their energy through the Myers-Briggs or if they're more detail-oriented versus big picture, you might be able to understand a little bit more about how you can serve them as a partner. I think in general, it could also go into familial relationships, platonic Mm. relationships like friendships and... Um, even professional relationships I think understanding how they see the world or maybe what some of their basic fears and desires are is really interesting and I don't know I think it can make you a better friend or person yeah to kind of learn that about someone and I guess accommodate them in some ways or kind of understand where they're coming from more mm-hmm. um, build some compassion um, maybe if you're fighting or something and you find out like this might be some of the roots of how they're handling this could help you understand them or if you're one of you's way more social and one of you's way more introverted kind of knowing that is helpful mm-hmm. in giving them space if they need it and stuff yeah and i think that also um going off of this idea that all types have strengths it's yeah. easy i think in society to think of a dominant personality 
as being the best, like someone who's maybe more extroverted, who's more of a big picture, kind of big presenter type, especially I think of in like business environments or, you know, people like making presentations in front of the office, very logical, you know, not super emotional. Um, Yeah. And so I think it's really refreshing to see how all of these types, regardless of how well they fit into this mold, um, are just all great and all have great qualities that will strengthen any sort of relationship or workplace. So, yeah, just another big pro, I think. Yeah, it's nice seeing all of the strengths that anyone can bring. Mm -hmm. Because I think there's so much value placed on certain traits that are just not most of the population. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And it's also a way to open up career ideas. You know, if you know what your strengths are, you might be able to then think a little bit more about where you'd fit in best or what kind of profession you'd be able to contribute to in a way that feels natural to you. I know on 16personalities.com, which is where you can take a free Myers-Briggs test, there's a lot of great info there. And there's a whole page on jobs that they think would correlate with your personality type. And I'm Still not sure what I want to do with my life, but some of the jobs that were listed for an INFP included like writing, which is something that I studied and I'm interested in, and like counseling. That's which really, is really refreshing weird to hear. And I'm cool. sure. Yeah, yeah, it is refreshing to think that maybe I am sort of on the right path. <laughs> not <laughs> I think that you, you are. should just believe the personality test. Like if you don't want to do that and it says that you shouldn't just change your career. No, but, but it could but I, it could give you some like clarity if you're confused or like reassure yourself if you're on the right path. Yeah. Yeah, and I think in the job world like as we already kind of touched upon, it's really cool to know like your coworkers' personality types. Um And to Mm -hmm. value that in a job place because I think in young adulthood, a lot of us might be starting our careers or maybe even going to grad school. Not that that's a job, but it's still kind of a similar environment of like professional development. Yeah. Um, And at least for me, my senior year of college, I worked in career services and we were all required to take the Myers-Briggs test and we all shared it with one another and I thought that was really cool because I got to kind of understand more of the strengths and the energies of my coworkers, and I think that helped our team overall mm-hmm. because we really kind of brought different strengths to the team and we're aware of each other's strengths yeah and it's just cool to kind of learn more about people in that way I think it's also fun to know the personality types of like famous people that's fun too I've I've <laughs> Not that they've all taken it, I'm sure, but you can kind of I think predict. people kind of guess. Yeah. yeah. Or characters of TV shows I've looked yeah, at. Yeah, that's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. I also do a thing where I try to guess people's Myers-Briggs. Like, You're if really I accurate. And I'm usually kind of accurate. Yeah, today you were really accurate. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to guess Obama's. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why, but... <laughs> but I think a big one that we've also touched on already a bit is understanding yourself through more of a personal growth lens through these personality tests. Again, sometimes it's hard to pinpoint your strengths and weaknesses. So reading about, um, you know, it might not be 100% accurate, but reading a little bit about it can help reveal some of these points. Um, And again, in young adulthood, the major question is like, who are, who are we? Like, who am I? Where do I belong? You know, what's going to fulfill me? And so having this tool to maybe spark some self-reflection or to provide some inspiration or ideas of how you might best navigate the world based on who you are um, 
can really just help you, I think, find ways to maybe improve a little bit or to explore in ways that will lead you towards people that you resonate with, a job you resonate with, maybe a home that you feel comfortable in, etc. So one big part of the Enneagram that I really like is that they have these levels of health and stability kind of, and it's yeah. like this scale that you fall on. So um, in your healthy state, you might be, you know, reaching your full potential in some of the strengths, whereas in more of an unhealthy state, maybe you're losing touch with some of those. And so I think that being aware of your health in a state or in a, you know, part of your life, you might be able to then think about, what can get you to that healthy state again based on like what your strengths are yeah um and like what your pitfalls might be in some of the areas that you struggle with kind of going along with personal growth um i think it sometimes can be difficult to really pinpoint what your strengths and weaknesses are i feel like on job interviews they're always like what are your three strengths (laughs) and while I know my strengths, like it's sometimes hard to kind of recall them very easily. It sometimes takes some thought or I sometimes feel like I'm like reading off of them, but I'm not really thinking about what actually am I strong at and weak at. Mm. Um, And I think having it laid out, even though you might not resonate with all of them, is really helpful. Mm. And there's some strengths that I hadn't even really thought about and weaknesses I hadn't really thought about that I learned through both the Myers-Briggs and Enneagram Mm -hmm. and was like, oh, I didn't even think of this thing as a strength. I just thought this was kind of a thing that anyone was like, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Like, I didn't think of it as a unique strength, but it is. It's sometimes hard to also pinpoint your weaknesses in a way, even though I think we are hyper-focused on them. um, It's a way to kind of understand them. Yeah. I think by just having it in plain language, it like takes away the insecurity factor you might have about it or like maybe that you're shutting it away. Mm -hmm. It allows you to understand them. And then therefore, when you see it play out in your head or in your life, you can be kind of like, oh, okay, like this is why I do this because I just tend toward this. And so you can work on it if you so choose. While there are a lot of positives to personality tests, especially in our opinion, because we do both just really like them, there can be some cons with pigeonholing yourself. I think that's the major con that we've articulated, um, just because it can be really easy, like I mentioned earlier, to put yourself in a box and like read this description and say, oh, this is who I am. And it, it can make you feel maybe a little bit powerless or that, you know you don't have any say in like who you are, even though you know yourself better than any test or person Mm -hmm. ever really will. Um, We're all so unique and therefore like just taking one test and then using that to assess who you are is maybe putting yourself in a box, pigeonholing you, like whatever you want to call it. Um, Mm -hmm. And one person that I really look up to as a mentor in my life said that like with dream, a lot of people do like dream um interpretations and some this kind of reminds me of that in a way how like you could bring your dream to somebody and they would tell you what you're thinking about but then you're ultimately the person who knows why you dreamt that because you dreamt it and Mm -hmm. it's just like this like you had a behavior and maybe this test is telling you that this is why you did it when therefore but you were there so like you you ultimately know yourself better than anybody Mm -hmm. else um or any test and if you take the test and it doesn't resonate with you you could even research the other types and maybe realize that the test wasn't as accurate and that you resonate with one more than the other. 
Yeah, like even with the Enneagram, my friend who's really into it told me that some people get one result and then they don't really think it sounds like them at all. And then they take it again on a different website and it's a different number and they're yeah. suddenly like, oh, this is the one. Like yeah. this one makes sense. It took me it a clicks. few. I was a type two for a while and then I was like, this doesn't quite fit. And then I found nine and it was like, oh, this is me. So sometimes it does take a little bit of exploring and reflection and time yeah. to really find a type that resonates with you. Um, or maybe it never does and you just think this is all silly. But and that's um, fine too. And that's also cool. Yeah. <laughs> and you could just make it a silly thing. Like you don't have to take it too seriously if you don't want to. I mm -hmm. like to kind of use it as a tool, but other people it's just kind of a fun thing. I think astrology is another way that a lot of people like to kind of dictate and like analyze themselves. I'm personally don't resonate with astrology. And yeah, I mean, I've looked into it and it's interesting, but I feel like Enneagram and Myers-Briggs have just felt more true to me yeah and they feel like a little more like I have control mm. like I'm taking the test and there's like some psychology behind it whereas mm. like with astrology it's like you don't really have control over it's just like when you were born so it's yeah. hard to like feel like I resonate with it or it's accurate because I didn't really have a say in like forming it but I know a lot of people that are into it so yeah, that's sort of an overview of what we enjoy about personality tests. It was a lot of fun to kind of talk about our types and reflect on tests that are fun. So in the meantime, maybe take a personality test if it's outside your comfort zone. Yeah, we want to encourage everybody to, you know, look and see what their Myers-Briggs is, maybe what your Enneagram is. We have some links that we'll put in the description of the episode. So if people want to click on them and learn more about the different types or take a quiz yourself, yeah. feel free um, and both. have fun with it. Yeah, both yeah. of the links that we'll provide are really helpful. Totally free to take as well. And I feel like the websites we've linked are some of the most accurate that I've found that aren't the ones that you have to pay for, so... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Also, we want to encourage you to follow us on social media. We're on Instagram at Mocha's in the Meantime Podcast, as well as Facebook at Mocha's in the Meantime Podcast. Mm -hmm. And we have an email account, Mocha's in the Meantime Podcast at gmail.com if you want to reach out with anything. Um, and yeah, thank you for listening, and we hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks, y'all. Peace. Peace.